0: This is It Was A Thing On TV. Punisher! Control! Happy before I change my mind! I give you... Super Train!
1: Episode 327. Submission number 2378. Hot Potato. Hot Potato aired on NBC Daytime. From January 23rd, 1984, to June 29th, 1984, for a total of 115 episodes.
0: 165 is what I see.
1: 165 episodes.
0: And now we'll do it as Johnny Olson, Hot Potato, aired on the NBC television network from January 23rd of 1984... To June 29th of 1984 for not 115 episodes, but 165 episodes. Holy <laughs> <laughs> What a <laughs> job of entertaining me, guys.
1: <laughs> here are our champions. They're
2: three of a kind. I'm Tim Miller. And I'm Tim Stamper.
0: And I'm Glenn Fisher. And we are the
2: Finny Finny <laughs>
0: <laughs> And
1: they're here to play. Hot potato. And here to toss the hot potato, our host, Bill Cullen. Thank you. Hello there. <laughs> <Hello there. laughs>
0: Thank you. Thank you and welcome to, I don't know whether you can see it or not, the, the place the potato smokes, you see. I wish you would break that habit. Anyway. <laughs> That's enough of that. Welcome to Hot Potato. We're very happy you joined us. It's
1: always a pleasure. In late 1983, early 1984, NBC had a very decent lineup in daytime. Of course, there was the uh, anchors of the soap operas with Days of Our Lives, Another World, and Search for Tomorrow, but the game show block has started to come into its own by now as well. With Wheel of Fortune, and if I'm not mistaken, we're either into the first season of Scrabble, or it's in development for a future release. It's in
2: development for the summer, at least.
0: Now, Scrabble premiered, like, less than a month after the cancellation, because remember, Chuck Woolery was on Mass Game Hollywood Squares promoting it. I think it premiered, I want to say, mid-July. It wasn't like a 4th of July thing. I thought it premiered late June. It did premiere in late June, and actually it replaced Dreamhouse, which was canceled on the same day as Hot Potato.
1: In the fall of 1983, the NBC schedule would have looked like this. At 10, you start with reruns of different strokes, followed by... A respectable hour of game show programming in Sales of the Century and Wheel of Fortune. Then you'd have New Entry Dream House, followed by equally new entry Go. Then you'd have Search for Tomorrow, Days of Our Lives, Another World, and the Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. But Go did just that at the end of 1983, beginning of 1984. And in its place would be the last network program out of Jack Barry and Dan Enright called Hot Potato. Now, at this point in the career of Barry and Enright, they had an interesting development strategy. It was called Take Something That Was Popular and Copy It, because in its bones, Hot Potato is basically a fixed version of Family Feud. And when I say fixed, I don't mean rigged. I mean fixed as in there are seven of everything. I mean fixed as in structured. Yes. We'll get into that briefly. So they developed Hot Potato. They had a show for the run-through. And the show... It worked on paper, but the host of the run-through, reportedly, was very bad. And nobody, not Barry, not Enright, and not NBC, could think of anybody who could replace that host at the last second. So, they called on one person. The one person that anybody who needed a game show host, from the 50s to the 80s, called, Hey Johnny, who did they call? From Hot Potato, Bill Cullen! And that may sound kind of weird, but according to an article from TV Guide in the 1980s, Bill Cullen did say, and I'm paraphrasing from Truth by Consensus Wikipedia, That he was chosen to host the show largely by default, since the originally intended host had flopped during an early run-through of the game, and neither Barry and Enright nor NBC could think of anyone else to ask. He also noted that it had been a very common scenario in his career, hence why he had so many game show hosting gigs to his credit.
2: Now one question, has it ever been revealed who the host of the run-through was?
1: No, it has never been revealed who the host of the run-through was. Now, Jack Barry did host a run-through, according to game shows at Fandom, but it was largely a pitch film. Okay. So, Bill Cullen was tapped to toss the hot potato. So, how does Hot Potato work? Well, you heard in the intro, two teams of three, each three-of-a-kind. To start the game, Bill would ask a question that would have seven answers. It could be a trivia question, it could be a survey of seven, it could be a listicle sort of issue. In order to win the round, you had to give seven correct answers, or knock the other team out one player at a time. And here's how that worked. A player in control can either answer a question or challenge someone else from the other team. If they chose to answer and are correct, control stays with that team. If they are incorrect, they would go to a waiting bench that was backstage, and control would go to the other team. If a player was challenged by somebody on the other team, they would have to answer the question. If they were correct, their team gets control, and the person who challenged that player would go back to the penalty bench backstage. The game continues until seven correct answers were given, or until all three of a team are eliminated. In either case, whoever has a player left, or whoever gives the seventh correct answer, gets the point. It takes two points to win a game, and the chance to win an escalating jackpot that starts at $5,000 and goes up 5000 for every try that is not successful. In the bonus round, you are given up to six comparisons, one at a time. You can play a comparison, or pass one, but you can only pass once. After that, you would have to play the round out. For example, like, which is longest? The world's longest tapeworm or a Cadillac? If you're correct, you get $500. If you get five correct, you win the jackpot. And you can bail at any moment, and that's important. Because if you are wrong once, the game ends and you lose everything. Except for the $1,000 that you won for winning the front game. In any event, you would return on the next game to face another team of challengers. And that's pretty much the game. I mean, it's about as simple as advanced calculus, isn't it?
0: Each team had their own personal bank, if you will. So if a team, let's say, went to the bonus round uh, for $25,000 and missed and then lost the next game, the new champs wouldn't go for $30,000. They go for $5,000. Correct. But hey, this is another show that was doomed by the uh, appearance of celebrities.
1: Among other things.
0: Well, the noon time slot didn't help at all No, but also, oh my gosh, some of the celebrities they got on this for a show that ran not even six months. Yeah, there's some names on here. I think the best place to start is in week five. They actually had a celebrity week in the middle of the civilian run.
2: Yes. And have we discussed the three of a kind theme yet?
1: we've glanced over at this part of the game mechanic, but that was essentially the draw of the format, is that these aren't just three random people. They're three of a kind. Like, for example, in the pilot that was put on YouTube by the one and only Wink Martindale, we had a team of Franciscan preachers against a team of teachers.
2: And we have, like... Various amazing three-of-a-kind teams. We have mothers-to-be. We have clowns. We have accountants. We have circus performers.
1: We have beekeepers. 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 And they have their bee suits on. And we have telegram singers.
2: (laughs) Telegram singers. Folks, yes, in 1984, there were still telegram singers. I am your singing
1: telegram.
0: There were even hypnotists,
1: <laughs> hypnotists, but they had to play the game as fairly as everybody else.
0: The three of a kind theme did not go into the celebrity era, though. No, no. no. Well, well, I'd say no. Even though they did have like teen weeks uh, or eighteen week, I should say. But the first Celebrity Week was actually in the middle of the civilian run in the fifth week. They're going to Celebrities after not even a month. This is not a good sign. And this was All-American Sportsmen versus Miss Americas. And I know we have stuff to say about this. Oh, yes. Do we ever? Well, specifically about two people, maybe even more. On the Miss America side were Susan Perkins kyleen barker cheryl pruitt elizabeth warden debbie sue maffitt and the current miss america at the time you may have heard of her vanessa williams
1: i have thoughts
0: okay we'll get to the thoughts in a second let me get through the all-american sportsmen because again you're going to have more thoughts when you hear some of these names so on the all-american sportsmen side you had rick berry you had ken norton Vince Farragamo, Steve Yeager, Kurt Thomas, and Wilt Chamberlain.
1: I have more thoughts. I knew you would. So where would you like to start? First of all, applause for the choice in Miss Americas and All-American Sportsman. Kudos to NBC and Barry Enron. That being said, I don't think anybody could see what would happen to Vanessa Williams down the line with what happens with Vanessa Williams down the line. Duh. And I'll tell you right now, it didn't affect her career one bit. No. Successful singer, successful actress, all around success.
2: And we love her for it.
1: And we love her to for it.
2: Yes. But, we gotta address the help in the room here, guys.
1: Yeah, if you listened to the end of the last episode, we played an In Living Color clip where we had the Hall of women Wilt Chamberlain uh, carnally satisfied. Had fun with, yeah.
2: And we gotta say it out the gate. He had to have slept with at least three women in that Miss America's group.
0: Are you kidding me? At least three. At least three. You know he got Vanessa Williams.
1: Not Vanessa Williams? No. Well,
0: Like, that's the worst thing Vanessa Williams did when she was Miss America.
1: She didn't do that when she was Miss America. She did it before she was Miss America and we don't talk about it.
0: Okay, do you want me to break the ice
2: here? Do you want to hear a fun fact about Steve Yeager that he didn't realize until, like, two years ago? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay, well, when the pandemic happened and there was, like, no baseball, like and all the sports networks were, like, rerunning old games, they reran, like, Roger Clemens' first 20 strikeout game against Seattle from 86, and Steve Yeager was on the Mariners at the time. And on the Chiron, they show Steve Yeager, the cousin of Colonel Chuck Yeager on the Nessin Chiron. So who knew? I didn't know that. Thank you, Ness and fun fact guy from 1986 who happened to put that on the Chiron for me to discover in 2020. So Steve Yeager, also, never a fact, was a co-MVP of the 1981 World Series. And guys, in our next entry, we're going to talk about another co-MVP from that 1981 World Series. If you can believe it, we'll talk about another one from that 81 Series. The Dodgers
1: won against the Yankees. but Oh, wow.
2: But I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, yeah. let's continue. Oh, an-
1: another fun fact about Steve Yeager. Apparently, Vanessa Williams was not the only person to appear in an adult magazine on that stage. What? Steve Yeager posed semi-nude in Playgirl magazine in 1982. Oh,
0: neat. Thank you, Toys R Us kid. (laughs)
2: Look, Toys R Us kid, I I have some questions, but I'm not going to judge you.
0: Hey, Greg, quick question. Yeah. Who was the other MVP in the World Series?
2: Pedro Guerrero and uh, Ron Say. So at least one of those two is going to come up in the next episode.
0: So going back to the celebrities. Now, that was week five. And the next celebrity week wouldn't be until the show formally became Celebrity Hot Potato, which happened uh, April 23rd of 1984, week 14. That week we had, as celebrities, playing with one civilian in each side. Phyllis Diller, Emma Sams, Renee Enriquez, and Billy Huffsey. So you had a nice little mix uh, of stars there. I mean, Phyllis Diller, you know, she's Phyllis Diller. Emma Sams, what was she on at that point? Was She, she on... was on
1: Dynasty at that point. That,
0: that's what I thought, Dynasty. Renee Enriquez would have been on the Hill Street Blues, and Billy Huffsey would have been on Fame. Yep. So a little bit of NBC getting their stars on shows.
1: Of course. Oh, hold on. There's one thing that we didn't mention about the game. On episode 11, the February 6, 1984 episode, they introduced a new wrinkle to the game. And you know a show is in trouble if they start with the wrinkles early. This was only episode 11. But starting from that episode, any team that got all seven correct answers in a row without missing or challenging won the seven straight jackpot which started at $500 and grew by $500 for each match it was not won. So there was a chance to win a lot of money on this show.
0: Well, there's even a chance to win money if you didn't win the match. Hold on. You're saying there was a chance to win
1: money? A chance to win money?
0: Okay, Jimmy Walker was not on uh, any of the celebrity shows. I know,
1: but I wish he was. (laughs) Can you imagine
0: money? So now uh, we're at celebrity week number two, the third week uh, with celebrities total, but in celebrity hot potato proper week two, Christian Alfonso, Beverly Garland, Artie Johnson, and Ron Masak, the recently departed Ron Masak. Now, if I'm not
1: mistaken, Christian Alfonso was on. Falcon Crest at the time. She replaced Jamie Rose's character. They're the same character, but a new actress.
2: Yeah, because obviously Jamie Rose went to Lady Blue and had Which her uh, Yeah, and her uh her piece. You know, her piece.
0: hmm Yes, we know Greg. Uh, and Beverly Garland would have been on Sterko and Mrs. King at this point. Oh, yes. And we
2: recently talked about her in Camp Wilder.
0: And Artie Johnson was probably just goofing around, and Ron Masak was pitching pickles.
2: Well, for Artie Johnson, he had to wait another, like, eight or so years until his greatest work. And, of course, the cult classic, Munchie.
1: Oh
0: my gosh.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah
2: as featured in the latest season of MST3K, Munchie.
0: Oh, my. Oh, let's just get to the, the next week. And this actually was daytime versus nighttime TV stars week. You had Anne-Marie Martin, Leanne Hunley, and Marla Gibbs, and Jenny Lee Harrison, James Reynolds, and George Weiner.
1: Anne-Marie Martin in 1984 would be on Days of Our Lives as Gwen Davies. Leanne Hunley would be on another one of your stories, Days of Our Lives, as Anna Demera. Marla Gibbs, obviously, is on The Jeffersons.
2: Jenny Lee Harrison would be on, um, at this point...
0: Company. Was yeah, three's Company.
2: Yeah, Three's Company, but isn't she on uh, Dallas
1: at this point? Yeah, but that's still a primetime show. And yes, she would be on Dallas at this point.
2: Okay, yeah, she was on Dallas. Okay,
1: But you know, Jenny Lee is not going to pass up a chance to do a game show.
2: Oh, no, all. of course not.
1: And we love her for it.
2: Yes. Um, James Reynolds? What was he doing?
1: Uh, James Reynolds would be... On Days of Our Lives oh, So it's basically Days of Our Lives Versus All Y'all
2: Yeah and then what was George Weiner Doing in
1: 84 Uh Spaceballs no. <laughs> no No that, that, so that, that was 86 that, yeah, that, that's 87. Three,
0: 87 That's three years away yeah
1: He was Assistant District Attorney Bernstein on Hill Street Blues I got a question guys
2: You think anyone on the daytime Roster called him chicken <sighs> What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken?
1: I'm laughing because I understood that.
0: Uh, I have a better reference than uh, uh, that assistant attorney. He was Murray Chase on Matt Houston. Yeah, Matt Houston. And actually, I think it's not this weekend, but next weekend, I think Decades is doing a weekend binge of Matt Houston. Ooh! Yeah,
2: and if I'm not mistaken, I believe if you can find it on Amazon, the complete series of Matt Houston's on DVD. Not sure if it's from like Mill Creek or VEI, but it's one of those companies.
1: Oh, nice. Now, this was May 7th through 11th, so this was as sweeps was started, so I totally get that.
0: Oh, well, that explains this next set of celebrities then, for funny men versus funny women week. There's some funny men and women here. Elaine Joyce, Doris Roberts, Joanne Worley, Milton Berle. Uncle Milty. Well, he would have still been under contract with NBC at this point, right? Oh, yeah. Of course.
2: Oh,
0: yeah, because didn't he sign like a 50-year contract in like 1950? Something like it, that. Yeah. And then James Coco and Tom Dreeson.
1: Those are some funny men and funny women. That's a pretty stacked lineup there.
0: This is an awfully good time to take a little commercial break. We'll be back in a few minutes with the remainder of Hot Potato. After these
2: messages, we'll be right back. Yeah. There's the old cheers. Carla's fighting for a man because she really pleases. Just wait. And Bill goes for broke when he pushes an 80-year-old tap dancer to his limit. Uh-oh. I to that comedy finish there, huh? The Buffalo Bill. Then Ray blackmails the chief for
0: Frank's return. It is a tape of you and the prostitute. Thursday. Be
1: there. I love the crunchy wheat taste of Kellogg's mini-wheats. But the frosting side agrees with the little kid in me.
2: The whole grain shredded wheat side, to me, is quite superior. The light frosting pleases my girlish interior.
0: Kellogg's Mini Wheat Cereals. Whole grain shredded wheat for the adult in you, light frosting for the kid in you.
2: For me, the manly side of Mini Wheats is fitting. But the frosting's good, too. And I'm not kidding.
1: I want more bits, more bits, more bits in my kibbles and bits. More bits, more bits in my kibbles and bits. More bits, more bits in my kibbles and bits in my kibbles and
2: bits. Introducing kibbles and bits and bits and bits. New crunchy bits, new chewy bits. More new and different kinds of taste than ever before. New kibbles and bits and bits and bits. New kibbles and bits and bits and bits. And bits. Now more bits in every bite. More bits. Free dent's the one that took the stick out of gum, out of gum, and puts the fresh in your breath. Yeah, free dent's the one that took the stick out of gum, and puts the fresh in your
0: breath. Yeah, free the one. Free
2: dent gum not only won't stick to your dental work, it helps clean in between to freshen your breath while you chew. Free dent's the one that took the stick out, gum, stick out of gum, and puts the fresh in your breath. in your breath with non-stick free dent
0: now we get back to four celebrities and two civilian contestants uh, for the following week we have dorothy lyman obviously from mama's family jamie farr aftermath at this point and brad garrett who would have just won star search at this point yes and michael winslow and we know where michael winslow's from he is Police Academy. Oh, yeah. Not he's from Police Academy. He is Police Academy.
1: Officer Larvell Jones.
2: Now, hold on. With all due respect to Steve Gutenberg and Bubba Smith and David Graff, when most people think of Police Academy, they think Michael Winslow and those sound effects. This was the week I was born. <laughs> so... I can now rest comfortably knowing Tom Bray didn't have the 30 the day it was born and that Michael Winslow was on hot potato. But also, us not remember that Brad Garrett will come up next year in future installment, Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. As the voice of the Hulkster, brother you think that Hulk Hogan and Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling advised anyone to have some pasta mania in those Hulk (laughs) roos?
1: I'm just thinking, not many people realize this, but Brad Garrett did a lot of things before Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah,
0: he did, yeah.
2: He was in that episode of Seinfeld. Where uh, he, like, stole a car, and it was like the episode with the bottle deposit. Remember the bottle deposit where Kramer and Newman tried to get a bunch of bottles to Michigan so they could redeem them, because Michigan has the thing where if you recycle a can, you get a dime? Yep.
0: Well, doesn't New York State do that now?
2: No, it's a nickel. It's always oh, been Oh, it's a, a nick. nick.
0: Oh, oh, you're losing uh, half the money. Oh.
2: Yeah, so that's why they did it cuz in Michigan they get 5 cents more. So they got all the bottles they could find and filled it up in Newman's mail truck. And then when they were trying to chase Brad Garrett, they had no choice but to throw the bottles out of the mail truck to stop him. Oh, it was heartbreaking.
0: Oh, my. Okay, let's get back. We have another special week. It's teen week. Teen guys versus teen girls. For the females, we had Kim Fields. These are some big names for teenagers. Kim Fields, obviously, facts of life at this point. Missy Gold, who would have been on Benson. And Dana Hill. And this would have been uh, right after the first National Lampoon movie. National Lampoon. Oh, that vacation? Was, she was in she European. Was Na- yeah, she was oh, in European. Okay, so that's eighty-five. So okay, so it'd
2: be a year away. But oh, hold on a second. I don't, do you know who her boyfriend was in National Lampoon's European Vacation? Oh, she, oh
0: me, me, pick me,
2: pick Jacob, me.
1: Pick do you me. want to answer this? Billy Zapka. Yes. He was Jack- Johnny Lawrence on Cobra Kai. He was
2: Jack
0: in European Vacation. Another underrated cinematic masterpiece. Hey, Dad! Look, bed pants.
1: <laughs> uh, fun fact: Dana Hill also voiced Max on Goop Troop.
0: Yes. Well, she also did voices for uh, Duckman. And I think it was just, like, the first season, because didn't she pass away in, like, 94? Yeah, she did. Wow. Oh, hey, guys, we have three males on this team. Let's talk about them, because two of them have done some pretty big things. Peter Billingsley. Oh, yeah! And this would literally be a few months after a Christmas story. But, of course, this also would have been right at the end of uh, Real People's Run. Yeah. But also...
2: As we mentioned in the 1983 PC Thanksgiving Day Parade, when he sung If I Could Talk to the Animals on a Float, he was Bessie Marvin.
0: Remember Bessie Marvin? I remember Bessie Marvin. Marvin.
1: Yeah.
0: And also, if you haven't seen uh, A Christmas Story Christmas, starts out slow, real good, the uh, second half to two thirds of the movie. Go watch it. And then he had Matthew Leberto. And Philip McKeon. And this would have been the last season of Alice? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. 84, yeah. And or Matthew, if not, 85 was the last season. but No, I'm pretty sure it's 84. Okay. I, I, I'll look it up, but I'm pretty sure 84 was the last season.
1: Yeah. And Matthew Laberto would have been known as Albert Ingalls on Little House. But around this time, he would be finishing up. 18 episodes of future entry Whiz Kids.
2: Or it was the year before. I think Wiz Kids was 82, 83. If no, we... Wiz Kids was 83, 84. Oh, okay. I didn't realize. Yo, we got to put that on the schedule. That's a show we've been wanting to talk about for a long but time. Putting it on the
0: schedule. Okay, good. Okay. And also, Alice did last until March of 85. I, I thought knew... it was going in 84. Wow. Because yeah, I think I remember
2: seeing like a promo for the last episode from 85 so
0: wow okay that's the last week with six celebrities Uh, the rest of the run there is a civilian in each team and we go to the fourth of the last week when we've got mindy cone martha smith jim j bullock and brian mitchell and i think we know where at least three of those people were at this point if not four uh, Brian Mitchell, I think, was gathering vegetables from his garden to wear on Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. <laughs> yeah, he borrowed from Peter
2: Davidson. But of course, Trapper John MD for uh, Brian. Right. No. Jim J would have been too close for comfort. Yep. This would have been on syndication now at this point.
1: Yep. Mindy Cohn would be on back In, in early, Wait, wait,
0: wait. In early 84, it was syndicated? Well, remember they had the theme week on Match Game Hollywood Squares? Okay, makes sense. I, I, I thought it lasted longer before it went to syndication, but fair point. But Mindy Cone, we all know where Mindy Cone came from. Mm-hmm. And Martha Smith.
1: <laughs>
0: Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I was wondering why Chico was cackling.
1: Oh, because she was Playmate of the Month in July of 73.
2: Do you think there's a chance that Wilt Chamberlain got
0: with her? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So you're saying there's a shot. Okay. Third to last week, Marsha Wallace, Nipsey Russell, Christopher Durham, and Brad Garrett again. Second to last week, Cynthia Gibb, Roxy Roker, Larry Minetti, and Michael Winslow. Of course, at this point, Michael Winslow is really pushing Police Academy because it's hitting theaters really, really soon. It's going to be the movie of 1984. Don't believe what people say about Beverly Hills Cop or Ghostbusters. No, the movie to watch in 1984 is Police Academy. And of course, it had Kim Cattrall, Chico.
1: I was just about to say, you know that movie made Kim Cattrall's career, right?
2: It did, and that's why she got Mannequin and Sex in the City
1: and How I Met Your Father from it. And Big Trouble in Little China. Are we forgetting Big Trouble oh, in yeah, Little China? Oh, yeah, I forgot.
2: Big Trouble in Little China, one of John Carpenter's best.
1: Yes. And then you have the final week with Laney Kazan, Jan Murray, Anson Williams, and R.D. Johnson. And at this point, you can... Pretty much, see the writing on the wall as everybody was just throwing caution to the wind.
0: Throwing caution to the wind.
1: That's as there was a- no,
0: there was no throwing caution to the wind. At this point, uh, with this being the final week, they knew they were gone. I remember this from when I was a kid. You had Jan Murray. And Artie Johnson giving no poops at all about this. They were acting so friggin' goofy. I, they, they were making themselves laugh more than anybody else at this point. And Bill Cullen was just trying to keep them in line. It was. I, I'm going to find some footage. I'm going to put a, at least an open in here or maybe some other stuff. They were really, really goofy just for you guys the finale is on uh, youtube these two teams are about to play against each other hi
2: i'm ficus benjamina <laughs> hi i'm carrie olson hi i'm anson williams and we are the, the champions, champions! now let's meet their opponents. hi i'm jan murray but i wish i was bill
1: cullen <laughs> hi i'm rod garrett
2: I'm Lainey Kazan,
1: and we are the, the Challengers. And we're here to play celebrity Potato. And here's our host, Bill Cullen.
0: Thank you. Artie Johnson, you're not Vicus like Benjamina! What are you saying? And Jan Murray, you're not Bill Cullen, and you can't even wish to be Bill Cullen at this point. Yeah, they don't care. Not one iota. They're here for the laughs. Totally off the rails.
1: Yeah, that's when you could tell that Yeah, the show is pretty much on its last legs, and sure enough, on June 29th, it died a very quiet death to be replaced with reruns of different strokes.
0: For a few weeks, at least, because Super Password would premiere... In the month of July, so the reruns did not last all that long, probably just a little stopgap until Super Password was ready. But this, it did get some airtime back in the 80s, not necessarily in the 90s. I don't remember it being on in the 90s, uh, but it did have a, a little run in the 2000s. In the 80s, it definitely showed up on CBN reruns, And maybe even USA reruns. I know it was on CBN for sure.
2: I remember this when it was on USA as a little kid. Because this would air right after Press Your Luck.
1: Yeah. This would be like... It would be like a... It's like the two hours of the USA Network Game Show block that seemingly lasted forever were Press Your Luck, Hot Potato, Gravel, and Sail of the Century. Well, Hot
2: Potato went till 90, I believe, on the USA block.
0: But Hot Potato did make an appearance on GSN, or Game Show Network, about 2001. I remember it aired once a day, and it aired at 8.30 in the morning. And thankfully for me, I didn't work until second shift at that point, so I could watch Hot Potato in the morning. Wish I would have recorded some of them. Oh, Well. And also before that, GSN aired Hot Potato around 1997 to 1998 as filler programming during the period when the channel lost the Goodson-Todman library. But yeah, it's gotten airplay over the last, what, 38 years since it was canceled? And as Chico said earlier, it does have a place in history, kind of, sort of, being the last Barry and Enright daytime show.
1: Not only that, it was also the last network show hosted by bill cullen and also the last show before jack barry's death and some fun facts about this show the highest jackpot ever won was twenty thousand dollars and that was won by a group of waitresses
2: Hold on, guys. You said it was a group of waitresses?
1: That was the highest jackpot ever won.
2: Oh. Yes. Okay, but I got a question. Do you think Wilt Chamberlain got with any of those
1: three waitresses?
0: No! Oh, that's one hell of a tip.
1: Good night, everybody. I know where you were trying to steer the conversation, and yes, there was a team who won $40,000. There was a team of accountants, Pam Noggle, Mike McHugh, and Allison Dunn, but if memory serves, they did not win the highest jackpot. And of course, this being a Barry and Enright show on NBC, players stayed until they lost. Because... They were giving away money hand over fist and they weren't getting the ratings. They had to make some changes for the celebrity format. And so instead of the escalating jackpot, if you won the bonus round, you got a flat $5,000. These celebrities are funny, but they do not come cheap. And Family Feud was kicking their asses.
0: And again, it doesn't help that it aired at noon.
2: Didn't help Go, didn't help this show. Nope.
0: Didn't hurt Super Password for some reason, though. Huh. Yeah, what's up with that? Hey, Bert Convy has that power. Uh, oh,
1: wait. I have an answer for that. Oh, okay. I have an answer for that. Okay, what is it? Okay. Family Feud only aired at noon until October. Super Password launched in late September. Oh,
0: I thought it launched in July. Wow, so uh, Different Strokes reruns actually aired for a good three months at that point.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Different Strokes reruns replaced this after Hot Potato was canceled.
1: Yep. And Super Password was going up against Ryan's Hope and whatever CBS was airing at noon, which would be local programming, probably the afternoon news.
2: Well, do we have anything else to add about Hot Potato?
0: They tried. They tried. It's another Barry Wright show that, well, for lack of a better word, is derivative. It's just another kind of sort of ripoff of an existing, much better format. But, oh, you got to give credit to that show. That smoking sign...
1: That whole set was something else.
0: Oh, that set was
2: glorious.
0: The the, the set was amazing. And even the computer technology in 1984 was was something to behold.
1: It's like every one of these screens was like run off a Commodore Amiga or something.
0: Or Commodore 64, because that was. Yeah, I think it was Commodore 64, yeah. Yeah. But then you also had those sliding penalty boxes or whatever you want to call it?
2: Oh, yes! Those sliding penalty boxes when someone missed an answer.
0: Oh, the the whole thing, if they actually had a decent game and not at noon, maybe this could have lasted a little while. The set by itself, the set and the music. Oh, my gosh. Classic. Vintage.
1: That Hal Heidi music. That was something else.
0: And I have
2: memories of this as a real little kid on the USA Network block with Pressure Luck. And this show stuck with me from when I was like four years old. And yeah, this is like one of the first game show memories I
1: ever had as a kid watching this. Uh, Interestingly enough, we talked about the uh, Hal Heidi music. It was a bit of a of the music that they used in the pilot, which was actually the sort of instrumental beds from two popular songs. The opening was an instrumental bed from Stop, Look, and Listen by Donna Summer. And the closing was an instrumental bed from a slightly more successful song, You Make Me Feel Mighty Real by Sylvester. And if you listen back to those songs, you could kind of hear yep, that's where Hal Heidi got hot potato from. and again, it wouldn't be the first time that Hal Heidi did a riff off of a popular song if you remember, Hal Heidi's Joker's Wild was basically a riff off of the savers by Pere and Kingsley
2: in a much better version because the Savers is not a good theme.
1: Hey some people who are aficionados of the Moog synthesizer would disagree with you. Well, that's their loss,
2: but hot potato for as short lived as this was, this is still, I guess you could say fondly remembered among the fandom to this day of game shows.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was one of those shows that was either gone too soon or overstate its welcome.
2: Yeah. And in the end, this just became another thing on TV. But, guys,
1: do you want to play a game of non eBay prices, right? No, I prefer misery and malcontent with my life. Of course I do.
0: What did you
2: find? Well, let's play the music first. Let's play the sexy sex music. Okay, guys, I've had this for a long time now, but I thought because of this episode, this would be the perfect subject to bring it up. I have had for the last, I would say, maybe 15 years or so, this used copy of Wilt Chamberlain of You From Above.
1: Oh, is that what he's calling it now?
2: Now, I got this used at a Local library, okay? You are bidding on the price I paid for this book. Now, I will give a maximum bid, okay? The maximum bid is $8. So
1: So, it is less than $8. So
2: you cannot bid any higher than $8.
1: This sounds like something out of Bill Cullen's prices right now that I think about it.
2: Mike, I will start the bidding with you.
0: It was a library book sale. Yeah. You didn't pay more than $2 for it. So $2? $2. Chico?
1: Three seventy-five.
0: You have both overbid!
1: I, I knew! Was
0: I knew I should have gone lower. I just knew it. I knew $2 is the most you paid. I knew that.
2: Mike? Lower than $2. Let's go...
0: <laughs>
2: A buck. Chico?
1: Do it! Do it A dollar one. I knew it. (laughs) You have both (laughs) overvinic
0: Mike, no lower than a dollar. Let's see how Chico plays this one. (laughs) Seventy-five cents. Chico.
1: One single single. Oh, you just given up on the whole affair. Okay.
2: I paid a dime for this.
1: As we have established on this podcast, Greg hates money.
2: But for a dime, this was the steal of the century. For for a dime, that's not bad.
1: Uh, You know what? You know what? You did good, Greg. You did good. Yeah, I
2: can read about Wilt
0: sleeping with the 20,000 women all i (laughs) want. Oh my
1: god, really?
0: Hey, Greg, I'm curious. Does that book list the names of every single one of those 20,000 women?
2: I wish it did.
0: Oh, that would be worth every single cent of that 10 cents. And I'd buy buy that book from you for 11 cents. You'd make a profit.
2: (laughs) But, guys, I also got something for you guys before we close this out. Oh, no. It's time for It Was a Thing on TV Haiku Corner. Now, it's been a long time since we've done this. So let's play the music.
0: Oh, we're going to make all the oldies
2: tonight. Okay. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. It's been a Central. long time since we played this music, but okay. Here Central. we go. Are you ready for this this great poem that I've like Sure. <laughs> sure. All right. From Hot Potato. Bill, what's the Segway doing? It's at Wilt's Hotel!
1: Thanks, Johnny, for performing that haiku for me.
0: I I can't give snaps or claps or anything for that. I'm sorry.
1: No, you get no snaps from me, good sir. None whatsoever. (laughs) Well, before we... Who knew Wilt stole that segue from Bill? Oh, jeez. Well... What can I say after that disaster? (laughs) But all of our episodes are available on on ItWasAThingOnTV.com and, of course, where fine podcasts can be streamed. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review. Five stars only because positive vibes only. And if you're on YouTube, don't forget to smash that notification bell to stay up to date on all of our future entries, like what we have coming up this Thursday. Now, it's a TV show, but it's not the TV show you think it is. Even though it
2: has one of the stars from that show. Two. Two? Two. The star- Two? Two. Two. Real- uh, now I'm curious to know what the second one was.
1: Okay. Well- well, I will tell you and our audience next time right here on It Was a Thing on TV. For Greg, for Mike, I'm Chico. Thank you ever so much for listening. Please stay kind to each other, and we will see you by the next one. Well, wow,
2: Hot! Potato is a very and right production.
1: <laughs> NBC, let's all be there!
0: Stay tuned. Two and a half hours from now, Match Game at Hollywood Squares will be on the air. With me, Johnny Olson, And I'll be dressing up like Boy George.
2: Oh, God. Johnny! Look. I know you have a thing for cross-dressing, but just don't, okay?
0: You stay out of this, you piss-ass son of a bitch.
1: What Johnny Olsen does in his free time is none of your damn business. <laughs>